Mando, good to have you with us. You're in the zone with Brandon Kravitz on FM 96.9 The Game. Friday vibes here on the show. Welcome back in the zone, Orlando's only sports talk afternoon show. We got you live all the way up until 6 p.m. Time now for our in the zone player of the night, Nikola Jokic, still finding ways to make history. Made six straight shots. Kuzma, heat check, rounding out, another rebound for Jokic. Wall pass. Gordon's out there. Hockey puts it away. Precision pass by Nikola Jokic. Jackson into Jokic. He's got it. He turns and he puts it up and in. 19. Get him to go down. Jokic hand off to Gordon. Back to Jokic. Jokic in the lane, and that's the easiest basket he has had tonight. Nikola Jokic became the fourth player in NBA history to record at least one triple-double against every opponent in the league. He went 10 for 10 from the floor in order to make it happen. 21 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists, and let me repeat, 100% from the field. First player to record a stat line like that in 40 years. That'll be good enough for player of the night. Presented by Mills Air. Preventative maintenance is a must. Get on the horn with the best AC repair and installation company in the market. Mills Air. 407-277-1159 and find them online at millsair.com I know there was some there's been some chatter about Shea Gilgis Alexander and hey Luka Doncic is having an incredible season Jokic is just an MVP he's just a walking MVP trophy with the numbers this guy puts up I, I know that it was against the Washington Wizards and maybe he doesn't get extra credit for that But, Tyler, when do we ever see a player with his level of usage go 10 for 10, not missing a shot, and nabbing a triple-double in the process? Like, it's absolutely nothing. He's he's unbelievable. And it's, as far as him with MVP, it's we've we've come accustomed to how unordinary he is. I think that's what it is, and that's that's what stems voter fatigue. You know, you don't want to give the MVP award to the same guy for numerous years in a row. Part of the reason why we allow voter fatigue is because we all become um, familiar with the uh, unusual, and that's what Jokic is doing, and that's what he continues to do, and that's why he's going to continue to set these kind of records um, this season and for the next couple of years to come. Yeah, and you got other guys that are putting up monster numbers. Um, Luka Doncic, if you were to compare Luka's numbers to the first year that Jokic won the MVP, they're comparable. I actually think Luka's averaging more points per game, um, and and they're sitting as the sixth seed right now. Denver's the four. Like, Does that knock him off a little bit? I think the Oklahoma City Thunder would have to finish as the number one seed in order for Shea to be considered, but if Jokic keeps doing stuff like this, this is uh, this is the kind of stuff you don't see performances like this, but every 50 years. And I, I think that we do have to kind of get over the voter fatigue thing and just keep in mind what you see right in front of you. I don't get bogged down by MVP chatter, but it is fun to discuss this stuff. Okay, so we talked about this yesterday, really broached the topic for the first time 
I am officially planting my flag in the Drake May camp to be the number one overall pick. I think he's close enough athletically and just with his natural gifts as a passer, he's close enough to what Caleb Williams is. Except with Drake May, you don't have all of the stories of entitlement and ego and his emotions being out of whack. The sort of negative qualities that tend to tilt a talented player towards bustability. I just see so much of that with Caleb Williams. The combine starts on Monday or Tuesday of next week. I think they check in on Monday and then they really get going on Tuesday. So these topics are going to be flying around fast and furious past this weekend. And we're just going to take this chance to get out ahead of things with our stance on these topics. But on the Williams and May front, here's the fun thing with this year's class is that they're not alone. I would not be surprised at all if this year we saw five quarterbacks go in the first round, like we saw in 2021. Five quarterbacks taken, not just in the first round, but we saw five quarterbacks taken in the top 15 that year. Most places that you look have Caleb Williams 1, Drake May 2, Jaden Daniels 3, Michael Penix 4, and J.J. McCarthy 5. Bo Nix, still a possibility to crack that top five. I'm sure that there are a lot of difference of opinion in terms of Nix and McCarthy. Spencer Rattler will be a name that you'll hear about. He's an interesting one, but he's a top 100 pick at best, not really part of this discussion. Then you get into the match game. Okay, so where do they go? Who's in desperate need of a quarterback? The Chicago Bears, you could debate whether they're in desperate need of a quarterback. They will be if they trade Justin Fields. The New England Patriots, I think we could put them in that camp comfortably. The Pittsburgh Steelers, probably time for them to move on. The Washington Commanders, Las Vegas Raiders, Atlanta Falcons. The list really isn't that long. And it's not even considering the Justin Fields aspect of it, the Russell Wilson aspect of it. He's likely to be on the move. Maybe that opens up Denver. But we, without getting too far in the zone math here, we are in a quarterback surplus right now in a lot of ways. So two things I firmly believe here, Tyler, and we'll and we'll go off and running from here. Drake May is better than Caleb Williams, and a team with an established starting quarterback will be taking a quarterback in round one. There's going to be a surprise team where you go, they took a quarterback. That's going to happen. I believe with uh, I agree with half of what you just said. I am still on the camp of uh, Caleb Williams is the most talented NFL quarterback in this upcoming draft. I do respect the Drake May and the back and forth on him, but and again, it's the the off the field stuff with Caleb Williams that is going to if he does slide past the number one pick, then it is going to be due to that and not due to what he provides on the field. Um, but I'm I'm still keeping him as my one. There are certainly teams that have a quote-unquote starting quarterback that will be taking a quarterback in the first round. That's where uh, you mentioned the Steelers. They certainly come into play with Kenny Pickett. Geno Smith and that extension that he signed, there's only two years left on it, so whether it's bringing a first-rounder now to replace him or let him finish out his contract, uh, they're going to start to set up in the future as they kind of enter a new era in Seattle and the post-Pete Carroll era. Um, I think they qualify more than Pittsburgh. I, I, Pittsburgh, even though Kenny Pickett is young, they already told you what they think of Kenny Pickett. When they had Mason Rudolph starting games at the end of the year and Kenny Pickett was healthy, they've already told you we don't we don't really like him. Tennessee is one of the ones that would be 
you could definitely make the case that they should upgrade, but I don't think they have told you boldly that they don't like Will Levis yet, the way that the Steelers have boldly told all of us that they don't like Kenny Pickett. So I think that I think the Titans are actually out of this conversation. I could see them just saying we got a they just fired their coach. They got to bottom out a little bit, build up a roster before they worry about a quarterback, especially when they've drafted Malik Willis and and Will Levis in the last couple of years fairly early. So I don't even consider them. Seattle's an interesting one. I mentioned Derek Carr at the open of the show. He's getting paid a ton of money, restructuring a deal with New Orleans. He's obviously not the answer. So New Orleans could be one of those teams, too. What, New Orleans slips in there, I think they're, what, 15? They're sitting at 14. 14. So and Seattle's at 16. You're going to see quarterbacks taken in that range. And, and so, I mean, think about this. And I'll throw the Jets in there, too. How much longer does Aaron Rodgers have? Yeah, they're do they on, really want to do that? They're on a a different version of what Seattle is doing as far as you have your quarterback, you think. I think Aaron Rodgers more of a sure bet, even coming off of the injury than what Geno Smith is. Uh, but you're starting to plan for the after. You don't really know what's up next in the next couple of years. This is the draft where you reach on that first-round pick for that quarterback um, with as many that are that are presented and kind of start preparing for the future in that situation. Yeah. Um, so the Jets are at 10. The Vikings are at 11. If they move off of Cousins, that makes that pretty obvious. Denver is at 12. They've already, they're already putting the plan in motion to move off of Wilson. He's not their quarterback. The Raiders are at 13. The Saints are at 14. Seattle at 16. There would be a bunch of quarterbacks that go right there in that range. That, that Penix, McCarthy, Knicks group, they're getting drafted right there. Yeah. You can almost guarantee it. I'm saying the six quarterbacks go in the first round this I can year. See it. It's going to be your Williams, May, Jaden Daniels, Penix, Knicks, and uh, JJ McCarthy. All those six are going to go in the first round this year. And then there's then I think that's where there's going to be the gap in the second round where you don't see much action. You might get your uh, your Spencer Rattler, your um, your Pratt from Tulane. I've seen bouncing around the draft boards in the mid round. So. That's where things get uh, a little more spread out, not as interesting as far as the quarterback position goes. And then I, one of the things I've had a hard time nailing down that as I get more into this process, I'll I'll develop a firmer opinion on it is Jaden Daniels, amazing college quarterback, but it just felt like he was in a video game system. With, they didn't play any defense, so he was just he was the entire team. They put up crazy numbers, and he rightfully won the Heisman, but. We've seen it how many different times. Winning the Heisman Trophy does not translate to you're going to be a star quarterback in the NFL. He's probably the third-best quarterback, but honestly, am I that positive he's better than Michael Penix? Not really. So I I would have to sell myself on that. I think what I could do, though, is at some point, I'm so low on Caleb Williams being a star in the NFL, I could actually see a scenario where a couple of weeks from now or a month from now, I'm trying to sell you on Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels as a higher pick than Caleb Williams. That's how. Man. And here's the thing: I think the attitude could definitely be an issue. That is a part of my analysis, but it's not the only reason I'm hesitant with him. I think one of the most underdiscussed parts of Caleb Williams, the prospect, is his size. For whatever reason, we view him as a big guy. He's not a big guy. He's 6'1", 215. That is not prototypical size for a quarterback in the NFL. And if you're going to be smaller, if you're going to be shorter than 6'3", 
you have to have insane vision and anticipation from the pocket. And Caleb Williams did not show that. He shows great escapability. He's got playmaking ability. He can extend plays better than anybody that's in this draft class. But that's like the extra stuff. That's not the where you start from. And I don't think he's that good at that. The the quality that we loved about everybody wants to compare anyone that's shorter than six two to Drew Brees. He's not Brees from the pocket. And we saw him when you look at the games that he played, the Pac twelve had a bunch of terrible defenses. So you only got a few glimpses of what do you look like when you play against a tough defense? Oregon was a good example of that. They had a really good defense. Notre Dame, you remember that game? He was terrible. Against teams that had real defenses all year. I have very real hesitations, and it's not just it's not just personality based. It can't be because I don't know him well enough to base my entire opinion of this player off of the kind of guy he is. I have I I can tell you what I see. It's the same thing all of you see. But I when I marry the two, my concerns about personality with uh I think we're a little bit drawn in by the flashiness of Caleb Williams. You called Justin Fields a YouTube quarterback. Yes. I'm not so sure Caleb Williams isn't a YouTube quarterback. I think, I mean, the signs are there that he very well could be. There's also the signs that um, with his mobility and his something out of nothing plays that he's produced over the last couple of years at USC, that he has that upside, that he's someone you have to take a chance on. Let me ask, uh, with team fit, how much does that affect your rankings as far as quarterback goes when it can be with Williams, May, and Daniels, kind of the top three, or where Penix, Nix, McCarthy, where they go in the uh, you know eight through 20, whatever it might be. How much does team fit affect your rankings of these quarterbacks? I don't think you can really marry the two because you you have to try and isolate how you feel about the quarterback without the team. When you get past the draft, I think that's a conversation we can have. If one guy, if JJ, JJ McCarthy, I'm not high on, but I can see where if he ends up in the picture perfect system, you go, that could actually work really well. Then all of a sudden, you, you change your opinion of what he can be as a quarterback. Brock Purdy is the most extreme example. Yes. Okay. Then that's like, it's like comparing guys to Mahomes. It's just, you're talking about a unicorn situation, but. How you would feel about a quarterback in that system compared to how you'd feel about them playing for the Saints? Completely different situations. So I, don't, I have to see that play out before I can say that. But I, I do think that when you get past when you get past Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, it becomes very important that these guys land in the right spot. They're not going to be able to overcome a bad situation like the other three might be able to. See, I think Penix and Knicks have more of a potential than what McCarthy does. I, I Everyone knows I was high on Michigan. I was high on McCarthy and his ability to be the leader of Michigan to a national championship. It's completely different in the NFL. You're right. Purdy's the most extreme example. We don't have to go that extreme. Jimmy Garoppolo... Um, you know, the only time that he's truly shined and he's had injuries was um, in San Francisco in a great system that Purdy is also th- uh, thriving in now. But that's the type of guy that McCarthy is going to be. If he's in the right situation, he can get the job done. Not in the right situation. He doesn't have um, the extracurriculars to win ball games. He just so, doesn't. So then I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll more directly answer your question then, and then we'll duck in a quick break. Yes. If it matters that much what your team fit is before the draft, 
you slide down the rankings. If I need you to land in a certain spot, otherwise I don't believe in what you can accomplish, that's how you end up getting drafted at the back end of the first round rather than inside of the top ten. And so that's why J.J. McCarthy, for me, right now, would be at the back end of the list because I don't think he can overcome a bad situation like some of these other quarterbacks might be able to. More in the zone next.